Welcome to Everyday Lies, a show about the dumbest, most terrible things that people actually believe in. From folk logic and superstition to deeply held beliefs, creeds, and codes, from politics to mass marketing, popular grifts, cons, and comforts, how many lies do you live by? A few weeks ago, I went to the doctor. I did the usual stuff. Sat in the waiting room for too long, had my blood pressure checked, and got on a scale. And after the appointment, they told me that they had a new patient portal rolling out, and I needed to log in and review information. So after I got home, I got into the patient portal and looked at my information. The name and date and address were all right. I kept scrolling, found the record of my visit from that day, and clicked to look at it. Height, 5'2", eye color green, weight, 145, obese. They had listed me as being obese because BMI says I am. There's no test for muscle, and I do lift weights. There's no test for having booty, which I do. I sat there, kind of dumbfounded, to be honest. It hurt, not because I have anything against being fat, but because it was used to hurt me as a kid, and this brought all of it back. My grandmother's unkind words, the mean girls at school, the boys who wouldn't go out with me. Now as an adult, looking back at the pictures of myself as a kid, there's maybe one or two years, like 6th, 7th grade, that I was even at all a little pudgy. And when I think of myself in high school, I think I was fat. But in all actuality, I was pretty average size for a high school girl. I grew up in the 90s, where we all heard Kate Moss say shit like, Nothing tastes as good as being skinny feels. Oh, the lies. Eating disorders later... Finding out that she had a serious coke addiction, and that actually was what aided her excessive thinness, it was like finding out Santa wasn't real. I had always been in the back, it had always been in the back of my mind that this was a bunch of fucking bullshit, but I didn't know how to realize it then. Sitting at my table, looking at my health record, somehow, finally gave me the words. I've always been healthy. This was about image. Always had been, and it still hurt. Not because I'm a thick lady, but because thinness had always been used as a bludgeon against me as a child. I'd heard my my guest today talk about how thinness was a lie and BMI was was racist many times, but decided to reread her posts and declarations only to find that like most women abused by some form of society, oh hell, I was not alone. There's nothing wrong with being fat, and here to talk about... Why it doesn't then doesn't mean healthy, fat liberation, and the complex bigoted history of BMI is actual motherfucking expert counselor, Hannah. <laughs> now, Hannah, how many lies do you live by? Is usually how I start my show, but uh, we've already laid out all the lies we've that we've kind of lived by on this topic, mm-hmm. so. Why don't you tell me 
about all of your sexy credentials. <laughs> yeah, I can give you my sexy credentials for sure. Um, so I have a master's in clinical mental health counseling. I am a nationally certified counselor through the National Board of Certified Counselors. I have worked professionally in progressive politics, human rights, eating disorder treatment, substance use treatment, and community mental health. Um, and I practice therapy from a social justice and a health at every size lens. Whew. And you recently had some success um, pitching this to TikTok. <laughs> and yes. you can find her at Hannah Talks Bodies on Instagram and TikTok and HannahFullendorf.com. God damn, girl, you got a website? I don't even yeah. have a website. Mm -hmm. Official. Professional. Like a real Pro professional. Professional. <laughs> <laughs> so, Hannah. What led you down the road of liberation? I had never heard of fat liberation before you, actually. Uh, where did you first hear about it? Were you dieting at the time? And how did that affect your worldview? Yeah, well, I think it's important, right, to probably give some background. My story is very similar to the story of many people who feel like they have to constantly chase the illusion of thinness. They have to constantly chase this ideal. And once they catch it, once this thin body rides in on a white horse and saves them from their sad, miserable life, um, then everything will be perfect. All their problems will be solved. Their health will never have any issues. Their relationships will be foolproof, all of that, you know? So I grew up in a household that really valued thinness. That was made very clear to me from a super young age. Um, I was put on diets at a pretty young age. Um, I remember first having disordered eating behaviors when I was probably like 10 years old. Um, I did compulsive working out. I did dieting and disordered eating, which for me, <laughs> there's a very, very thin line between those two things. And it is very blurry and there is a lot of overlap. Um, and literally I just always remember feeling empty. Like I literally, like truly, and I know that that sounds like, I mean, duh, like you're literally not eating food. You're going to feel empty, but truly I, I just felt like I was chasing this like meaningless thing all the time. Um, yeah. And so I literally remember that was pretty much the story of my life up through my early 20s. And I just remember feeling so tired all the time. I had gained and relost the same 60 pounds <laughs> over the course of the last 15 years, um, many times. And I remember literally sitting in my therapist's office and just like telling her before I even knew the science, right? This was like before I even like found out the information that actually supported this belief. Um, just that this was fucking bullshit. And like, I felt like I was wasting my life and <laughs> that I didn't want to have to keep putting my life on hold for this mythical thing that might never happen. And so I remember sitting in my therapist chair and talking with her and saying, you know what, I think that this is actually what my body is supposed to look like. And little did I know, um, my therapist was actually a health at every size practitioner and she had been sort of like going easy on me <laughs> until I got to this point on my own. And as soon as I said that, I think she saw a window of opportunity and she was like, well, funny you should mention that. Nice. <laughs> there is actually a lot of science that supports what you just said. 
Um, and so she was really the first one who turned me on to it. And she sent me a ton of resources. She sent me books and articles and podcasts and studies and all of this amazing research and data and community and activism that I just like took a huge bite out of and was like so ravenously <laughs> consuming all of this new data that I was so happy about. Um, and so for me, okay, so where fat liberation comes in, right? Because I think everyone is familiar with like, I think the mainstream concept of body positivity, which we can talk about that later. <laughs> but I really learned about fat liberation through following fat activists, like truly um, people who inspire me and who are doing this work that is inherently political and social justice oriented. So people like... Um, Reagan Chastain, Sonia Renee Taylor, and lots of other people who are actively doing this work. Um, there are groups out there like NAFA, the National Association to Advance Fat Acceptance, that are actually working on introducing legislation across the country to make discrimination based on weight illegal, which currently discrimination based on weight is only illegal in one state in the entire country. I mean, go Michigan randomly. <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> right? Wow. Um, so there's one state and there are six municipalities in the country where discrimination based on weight is illegal. And so their mission, well, one of their missions is to basically introduce legislation across the country so that hopefully in the United States, there will come a day where discrimination based on weight is completely illegal. So that's kind of where I first found out about fat liberation. And it's been, um, I mean, very personally gratifying for me ever since, and also very stressful and challenging when interacting with people who are still very, very, very bought into the chase, the chase of thinness. Yeah. Uh, one of the things I've noticed uh, about, um, you know, liberal circles is like emphasis on on health being about thinness and you should eat more mm. vegetables and like... Yep you know, kind of ties into some more uh, questionable and problematic uh, veganism topics. Mm -hmm. And just that, like, you know, you're you're unhealthy because you eat the wrong things or you're unhealthy because you're Ugh. this size. Which and, is such um, an overly simplistic view of health. Like, that just drives so, me crazy. Yeah. That ain't science. Mm-hmm. Yeah, ain't and, science. And I've said, I think I've said this to you before, that, like, I, I think in the progressive community, I would not say that this is true outside of the progressive community. There are a lot of <laughs> acceptable forms of prejudices, <laughs> but like at least in the progressive community, I really do believe that this is the last acceptable form of prejudice, right? Like I've, I've talked to people in different spaces and activism. Like I talked with a friend of mine who's a disability rights advocate and kind of the way that she explained it to me is basically saying that like, if I came up to you as a disabled person and said what you just said was ableist, you would at least feel bad. Like even if you didn't yeah. agree, you would at least feel bad. Whereas if I, a fat person walk up to you and say that what you just said was fat phobic, they'll be like, okay, fuck you. Like, I don't give a shit. Yeah, like basically this problem is yours and I yeah. get to be a dick about it. Yep. You've brought this upon yourself completely and it's a bad thing inherently, so you're evil and terrible. Yeah, my God. One thing that uh, is not on the script but comes up a lot is about how, um, like, well, you know, in this century we're dealing like these crazy rates of, of obesity and things like that. 
And lo and behold, it is literally a thing we've not studied for 10 goddamn minutes. You can't just make all of, all of these assumptions about, about numbers and people based on, like, just America in the last hundred years. Right. That, and that's that totally again, true. is not science. Right. No, we didn't study things like this before. No, not at all. This is a relatively new concept, right? Like tracking body weight is actually like historically speaking and like the grand scheme of history is relatively new. Um, But I think one of the things we're going to talk about later is that like art depicts that like people in larger bodies have always existed. Always Um, existed. But also, (laughs) so there are so many things that have led to the obesity epidemic hysteria, right? And first of all, like, I don't know how to say more firmly or more clearly that the existence of human beings can never be an epidemic. Um, so, like, the con- like, the terminology that this is an epidemic is garbage. It is absolute nonsense. Um, human beings cannot be an epidemic. Um, and then I would also say, so... Having researched this so much and having read on the history so much, there are some really interesting milestones. So in the 90s, they actually, so when I say they, I mean the NIH, the National Institute of Health in the U.S., actually lowered the numeric thresholds for the categories of the BMI. So literally overnight, 30 million Americans became overweight without gaining a single pound. In the eyes, in the eyes of the BMI, right, which, as we know, is like the all-seeing thing in medicine that dictates all the treatment everyone ever gets. You can't see me at home, but I'm making a jerk-off motion. <laughs> yeah, motion. yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, and so, in the '90s, they lowered the numeric threshold so this, so that a huge number of people became quote overweight or obese without their weight changing at all. And that is actually part of what has skewed the numbers on this so dramatically, right? Because that suddenly looks like a giant spike in quote obesity um when it's so and i'm to be clear i'm not saying the body size hasn't gotten larger because there have been longer term studies that have shown that like gradually that has been true but the dramatic increase that people are so hysterical about that people call the obesity epidemic has been so unbelievably overblown because of the bmi and because of the changes to the bmi in the 90s man the 90s they <laughs> fucked over so many people's like fucking worldview. I I mean I remember all like m- you couldn't escape marketing. It was like the age of marketing because we were this huge demographic and they needed to sell us stuff and make sure we turned out a certain way. And so like as a form of control to our generation, the largest generation that's like existed in America, that makes sense. Let's let's make them all chase this this stupid white horse while, you know, we we continue to just like fuck them over. Like so, you're you're worried about like the wrong thing while they're putting potassium bromate in your food. Yeah, I mean, truly, and like this is this is all about money. At least in the U.S., it's all about money. I think there are. <sighs> There are places that also experience fat phobia throughout the world where it is truly about individual prejudice. And in the U.S., we have that individual prejudice as well. But in addition to that, weight loss is a $72.7 billion, with a B, $72.7 billion a year industry in the United States. 
And it's all bullshit. <laughs> it's all it's all bullshit, truly. And now we even I mean, it's it's just so uh, it's so deeply ingrained in all of our systems. And this is why it's so deeply ingrained in our perspective on health. Right. Like there are. in So you literally can't get health insurance if you're over a certain weight. They will not allow you to purchase health insurance. And then if you do have health insurance through some other means, like if it's provided to you through your employer and you're legally entitled to it, there are restrictions like you. There are certain things you just can't get, like you can't get surgery if you're over a certain weight, like they can literally just deny you medical care that regardless of whether or not it's medically necessary, it could be medically necessary and they can still deny you that stuff. So basically they're saying, um, you're fat so you can die. Yeah, pretty much. Um, and they charge higher premiums. So I'm talking about insurance companies, insurance companies charge higher premiums to fat people. So it's incredibly lucrative. Um, they oftentimes will require doctors to establish a BMI um, designation at every single doctor's appointment. That's why you get weighed at every doctor's appointment, regardless of whether or not your weight is relevant for that is for insurance purposes. That's exactly, exactly. I'm gonna tell them to fuck off next time I go in there. (laughs) So this is, so I, this is actually something that I talk about on TikTok quite a bit. Um, So I personally did, I personally declined to be weighed when I go to the doctor's office and I am very clear with them and they, (laughs) they're familiar with me now. So it's generally not an issue anymore. He was just like, nope. Yep. And so like literally what always happens is that they'll walk me over to the scale and they'll say, all right, it's time to get your weight. And my response will be, actually, I'm going to decline to be weighed today. And first of all, it's usually not a problem um, because they're in such a rush. They're trying to, you know, get those co-pays, like churn, churn, get people in and out. Um, But if they do push back, I, I say the exact same thing every time. I'm like, if my weight is required to determine medication dosages, then you may weigh me once my appointment has concluded and the treatment has been established. Because what I don't want is for my weight to dictate my treatment, like period. And I'll say this to them and they'll be like, oh, okay. And 95% of the time, it's not needed. Like some of the most common things people go to the doctor for literally do not require weight at all. Like you don't need weight for um, broad spectrum antibiotics. You don't need weight for topical steroids. Like none of that. Yeah, that is actually one of the last things I went in to get. I have eczema and I needed some creme. And yep. You don't need to wait for that. Me. I don't. I really don't. Yeah. And I make it clear, right? Like if you d- determine through my symptoms and actual tests and actual medicine that there is a treatment that is required of me um, where you do need my weight in order to determine medication dosages, then you can weigh me. But what's not going to happen is you're not going to weigh me at the beginning of this. And then I'm going to go in there um, saying that I have an ear infection and the doctor is going to be like, no, you don't. You got a case of fatness. Lose weight. Because that is actually what happens. Oh, I'm sure. I've definitely been told that, like, well, well I, I had complained before about certain, um, like, digestive issues that I've had chronically since I was a child. And, nope, it's it's because, you, you know, you eat the wrong things and, you know, you're overweight and you should take more fiber and that kind of thing. And that was just never true. This is mm-hmm. a chronic illness. It has nothing to do with that. Right. Just absolutely nothing. But yeah, they'll blanket statement you. And, and it is just bullshit. It is just the laziest 
medicine. Like truly, I actually just made a TikTok about this today about how like literally people don't understand how. So first of all, they do this to people of all sizes, but it is particularly bad for people who are fat, right? Like doctors will just use weight loss as a way to literally get out of doing evidence-based medicine, like not doing any diagnostic work, not doing any tests, not doing blood work, none of that. It is literally a way to get people out of the door quicker so you get those copays. And I don't know if like, I don't know if that's every doctor's intention. I'm sure it's not. I know like I have had some doctors who have been very positive and like have actually taken their time and done good work. Um, but there are just so many doctors who like, they just want to get people in and out the door, right? Because they yeah. get paid based on the number of patients they see in a day. Yeah, and I go to a low-income clinic. So mm -hmm. that is like their bread and butter. They're yep. like, you're in and out in 15 minutes. We need to conclude this as quickly as possible. And, and that's it. And if you, you know, I can't get in anywhere else because so many places aren't accepting new patients because of COVID. So I'm just kind of stuck with these shitty doctors that literally don't listen to a goddamn thing I say. Yeah. And, and that, is that super seems common. to be the epidemic. Absolutely. Absolutely. Just bad medicine. And like literally not even providing evidence-based medicine. Like, you know, what a thin, you know what a thin person gets when they go to the doctor and they say they have an ear infection? They get antibiotics. But I walk in and they give me a diet. I just, that just, that doesn't make any sense. No. Like it, no. it really just doesn't. Yeah, it doesn't. It truly doesn't. There's so much medical negligence and malpractice and just a lot. And there's research that supports this. Like their research across the board shows that people in larger bodies experience a far worse quality of medical care than people in smaller bodies. Like there is such a severe distinction um, and we have data to support this. And it's been the case for a long time. And we're actually seeing rates of um, anti-fat bias going up over the course of the last two decades. I, you know, I can, I can see that. Um, as I've mentioned before on the show, I'm an anthropology student and this field has a fuck ton of making up to do. And one of the things that seems to haunt us all forever is phrenology. And there's a great behind the bastards episode about phrenology that I recommend. It's really good and they're funny. Um, but today I'd like to do my part as an anthropologist to discredit, you know, the racist bullshit of the past. And like you just made a TikTok video about um, BMI and these things have to do with our just America's baseline of bigotry. Yes, absolutely. So the BMI was created in the 1830s by a man named Adolf Quetelet, and he was a mathematician, statistician. You lost me at Adolf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus I hear, Christ. I hear that all the time. <laughs> Never met a good Adolf. <laughs> oh, his name's Adolf, and he's, uh, like, a fat Nazi? Is that what you're telling me? Yeah, yeah, like, literally, though, literally. Mm. <laughs> so, um, yeah, mm. Adolf Quetelet, who was not a doctor and had no medical training whatsoever, despite the fact that this tool is literally used today to, quote, predict health. Um, he was a mathematician, statistician, and astronomer, again, with no medical training. And he literally created an equation. And I think when people think of the B, so the BMI stands for body mass index, right? And so people yeah. think of the chart. There are five categories 
on that chart. And I think most people think about the chart when they think of the BMI because it's been in like it's been plastered in doctors' offices for years now. Um, but truly, what it is, it's a is that it is a mathematical equation. It is literally just an equation, and it does not actually predict anything. It literally just calculates a number based on height and weight. And those numbers have then been subjectively put into categories <laughs> with words like overweight, which is a term that was invented by the BMI. There is no actual thing as overweight. Overweight is a term that was created through the BMI. Um, and then two different categories of obesity. Um, and so these are very subjective man-made categories. Um, so the BMI was actually created for the purpose of measuring trends across populations. And it was a personal like passion project of Adolf, who was a eugenicist, because it was literally uh, a way. Yep, here it is. <laughs> so no, there it, it is. I knew we were is. coming back to eugenics at some point. I just yep, knew always. it was going to pop in. Yep. Fuck. There's your problem. <laughs> There's your problem. So good old Adolf um, was a eugenicist and he basically had a passion project that he wanted to use this calculation to determine what he thought of as the quote ideal man. And so as he was studying populations to create the BMI, he exclusively used white Westerners. Um, there were no people of color and there were very, very few, if any, women. It's unclear if there were any women included. Um, but they, they, know, at that point, they used to think that women's bodies were just male bodies with pesky hormones. Exactly. Yes. So, yeah. They like they wouldn't look at us as different. They'd just be like, ah, you're just us. Yeah. Yeah. You're just you us, only crazy. In this anyway, because you're basically property, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> and, so, and so literally this this thing was created with entirely white Western males. Um, and it was created to a measure popul like measure trends in populations. It was never intended to measure health in individuals. And then B, it was literally a eugenics passion project for this guy to determine the ideal man. And that's the history of the BMI. Well, actually, so sorry, there's more to it. Then it literally was oh not used in the medical world until the early 20th century when life insurance companies determined that they could use the BMI to charge higher premiums to fat people. And that was the first time it made an appearance in the medical world in the United States. And ever since then, it has, it has been used for that exact same purpose. That is horrifying. Yep. I also, um, when I was looking into healthcare uh, a long time ago and the history of of uh, private insurance companies. Oh God! When so we first decided that we were gonna do private insurance companies, doctors across the nation were like, uh, "This is a terrible idea. Mm -hmm. This separates me from my patients and being able to prescribe the right stuff." So, as an anthro student, also tell you one of the biggest drivers of complex societies is stratification, meaning that. It can be economic or ethnic or what have you. America has lots of this, like like we were just talking about. Um, we have our own forms of societal control. And only after civil rights are pushed for do we actually get the opportunity to discuss it and yeah. get better. And this used to be, you know, commonplace to be openly vocal to hate gay people, like you were saying. If you said something homophobic or, or racist or ableist and someone was like, fuck you about it. You you fully have to stop and, and like, realize that. Uh, I feel like that changed a little bit in the last four years, but we won't get into <laughs> that right now. Oh, my God, um, yeah. 
Yeah, and after like one control becomes negated, society reaches for another, and it just seems like fatness is a pretty easy target. Yep. So, I would like I would like to um, read a quote from from a magazine uh, where this uh, where the author interviewed some fat people and asked them just certain questions about their life, and I found this really telling. So they said, the emotional costs are incalculable. I have never written a story where so many of my sources cried during interviews, where they double and triple checked that I would not reveal their names, where they shook with anger describing their interactions with doctors and strangers and their own families. One remembered kids singing Baby Beluga as she boarded the school bus. Another said that she had tried diet so extreme she passed out, and yet another described the elaborate measures he takes to keep his spouse from seeing him naked in the light. A medical technician, I'll call Sam, asked me to change his name so his wife wouldn't find out he spoke to me, said that one glimpse of himself in a mirror can destroy his mood for days. He quotes, or he, quoting him, I have seen that I'm fat and I shouldn't be, and it feels like the worst kind of weakness. And I think anybody who's ever dieted, myself included, can relate to that. Absolutely. That is just trauma for yes. no fucking reason. And, and I think this is where, like, this is where the counselor in me just cries, right? Because what we are actually actively doing in all of this is perpetuating trauma. Um, and we have, we now have so many studies as well, not just on the mental health impacts of oppression and stigma, but on the physical health impacts as well, because oppression is experienced in the body as stress. And we know that stress is extremely harmful to your physical health. It raises your blood pressure. It hurts your heart. Um, it puts strains on your, it puts strain on organ, on your organs in general, um, and it is just a really detrimental thing to your mental and your physical health. And so, and there are so many studies, especially now, that are showing that these same health problems that people attribute to high body weight can actually be more accurately attributed to the oppression fat people experience in their daily lives. The stigma is overwhelming. Yeah. And that's going to be uh, ongoing and possibly even generational because yeah. we like we now know how trauma can affect literally your DNA strand. And then you can pass yes. it on in generations and give people stress about things they didn't even experience. Yeah. And I, I, I know like my grandma and my mom, both like both big ladies and they both went through fucking hell about it. And I, I can't imagine that that didn't end up in in me in some way. Of course. Yeah. And that, that's so true. And like, I think when people think about fat phobia, they think of it as like personal prejudice, right? I don't think they really think about it as like systemic oppression. Um, yeah. But I have, I, ma I made some notes in preparation. I have a list of ways that fat people experience oppression. Um, so the first few of these we've already talked about, that, but then there's more. So first, fat people are denied access to or charge more for life insurance and health insurance. They are denied medical care. They are frequent victims of medical negligence and medical malpractice. We receive a far lower quality of medical care across the board than thin people. 
We are less likely to get jobs or promotions that we're qualified for. We make less money than our thin counterparts across the board for doing the exact same work. We are likely to be graded more harshly in an academic setting than our thin peers. Um, if you're a fat teacher, you are less likely to be respected by your peers and your students. Um, you are denied access to or charged more for local transit and long distance travel. Um, you are denied access to public spaces due to inadequate seating or venue options. This examples are like waiting rooms, event venues, like concert halls or stadiums or amusement parks. Um, and fat people are less likely to, to be believed when they report rape to the police. We are denied access. Yeah, I know. M's face is cringing. Uh... Yeah. If you're a fat person and you report that you've been raped to the police, it is significantly less likely that you will be believed or taken seriously. Um, and that fat, makes me feel violent. Yeah, it makes that me makes feel me want to burn well. things. It should. Um, oh and fuck! Just last two ones here. Um, fat people are denied access to the clothes that they want, or sometimes any clothes at all in their size. Um, and then finally is that interpersonal prejudice, right? We're faced with constant negative stereotypes in both institutions and in interpersonal relationships that fat people are lazy, lacking in self-discipline, less competent, less intelligent, non-compliant, and sloppy. And this is directly from a study that I'm reading from. That, I mean, that pretty much lines up with what I take for everyday lies is like all the lies I've ever had to believe in my stupidly short life. There's a lot of them. And like when I used to go to church and it was a terrible church, mm -hmm. one of my friends said something about how, um, you know, like we don't want to pay for gay marriage because uh, like they spread disease, which is disgusting Ugh. and untrue. But it's kind of the same along the same lines like they're taking up these medical resources and, uh, yes. and doing these things and it's just like no because uh i would think that if you spent a really long time doing like doing things that are technically eating disorders you're going to end up with a lot more medical problems than oh, if you were just yes. regular and fat just, that's correct just be yep and and this the studies have and another one about like like uh -huh, another one taking up resources. Sorry. Another one about taking up resources was just like, oh, well, like all of the food that they eat. But bodybuilders eat the most food. Uh, it doesn't actually take a lot of calories for like, you know, me or you to just like pack on some extra pounds. But to build muscle and to do all those things, you're talking like 4,000 plus calories a day, depending on your height and what you're going for. And that is a much bigger drain on resources than you and I have ever fucking been. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And there's there's an example that one of my favorite fat activists gives all the time about the idea that like fat people are choosing to be unhealthy. They're choosing to be burdens on the American healthcare system. Like the parallel that she always uses is professional athletes. Specifically, she talks about yeah. the NFL. Yeah. And she's like, this is a profession that has an incredibly short shelf life. Um, the vast majority of NFL players file for bankruptcy within two years of ending their career. So using public health benefits, no less. I mean, even more shameful, right? And then on top of that, Ooh. their career is, right? I know, shock. Um, their career <laughs> results in severe health issues like brain injuries and lifelong health expenses. And no one is oh, no, shaming them. No, but sports them. really help the Black community. Oh my God. 
Don't Sorry, I hate sports started. for all these fucking reasons. <laughs> Yep. And Same. so we Same. have that's another episode. Join us next time. Yeah. So like we literally have sports examples and how they're bullshit. <laughs> yes. Sorry. We literally have Sorry, examples I'll stop interrupting. of people who are doing all of the things fat people are being accused of, right? Putting themselves in harm's way, choosing to have health problems, choose blah 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 blah. And then we literally have these professional athletes who are actively like doing that much more so than fat people ever have and we're like worshiping them and praising them talk about a fucking drain on healthcare. my goodness seriously seriously i okay so one of my questions to you is that i've been so i actually thought about this as um from an episode of Ripley's believe it or not that i watched when i was a kid and maybe i don't know if you watched it yeah, that takes you might back. remember it but they had this episode where there are these super thin women who were like addicted to wearing corsets to the point where they were squishing their organs and they had like health problems from it. But they were addicted to like this this image and this mm-hmm. this like whatever they're getting out of out of being that small. And it was literally fucking killing them. Yeah. And we see this all the time. And. To me, this seems more like extreme body modification and and advocacy for that than it does actual having to do anything with health. Absolutely. And something I say all the time is when we're talking about eating disorders, right, the things that if a fat person does them, we're like, yeah, good job, like, well done. But if a thin person did them, it'd be fucking terrified, right? Like, you'd be like, you have an eating disorder. Oh, my God. And of course, people assume that that's the case anyway. People assume that fat people are incapable of having eating disorders because we see eating disorders as something um, that is exclusive to thin people. If you are, quote, successful in your eating disorder, which is a ridiculous ridiculous concept um then you would be what the fuck yeah who coined that i want to punch them in the face if you were successful in your eating disorder right right and so we have violently angry again yeah you should so we have thin people who literally get hospitalized for doing things that fat people are told to do and praised for doing who by the way have the same health consequences yeah that shit is terrible for your heart Like, I know that, like, say that, like, doctors have told my mom this for forever. You know, you have a family history of heart disease. You really need to lose some weight, blah, blah, blah. She has an amazingly strong heart. She has Mm -hmm. low blood pressure. And they're always just like, oh, you're risking your heart. And she's like, "Mm, I think I'm fine. (laughs) Like, she won't quit smoking, which is a whole other thing. But her heart (laughs) is fine. But they keep telling her that it's not fine. And then they do tests. They're like, it's actually fine. And this is so common. Science. You scienced and you were wrong. Yes. This is super common for fat people. Like I'm actually a great example of this. I have great blood pressure. I have great cholesterol. My heart is super strong. And doctors tell me to lose weight all the time. And I'm like, literally for what purpose? And it's it's Yeah, I've seen you dance. For what purpose? Yeah, for what purpose? Like you literally just ran all these tests on me and told me that I'm the picture of health, but it makes you uncomfy that I am here in my large body, not hating myself. And you're like, I need to do something about that. Um, and, <laughs> and what right, we sounds have- sounds like a you problem, doc. Yeah, absolutely. And I think people also fail to recognize that doctors are a product of their society, just like all people are. They are not immune to racism, sexism, fat phobia, any of those things. They often propagate them because they tend to be 
straight white men who are in positions of privilege and power. Um, so they tend to actually be even better at um, <laughs> replicating those oppressive beliefs in their practice. And I actually read something the other day that medicine is about 20 years behind the best research, like the most current research. So like doctors practice medicine as if they were using research from 20 years ago and have like basically not incorporated anything from the last 20 years. And we have known for even longer than that, that behaviors are a far better predictor of health than static body fat percentage. Yeah. I mean, that makes way more sense than just blaming everything on having extra body weight. Right. Like I'll go to the doctor and they'll be like, you need, you need to go on a diet. And I'm like, you literally haven't even asked me what I eat. You haven't even asked me what my current diet already consists of. And then if I told you, you wouldn't believe me anyway, because you've just decided that because I'm fat, I must be eating fast food three times a day. Yeah. I, I, nowadays I shop almost exclusively at the farmer's market. And the last, like, I remember going to the doctor a few years ago after I had the IUD. And we're going to do an episode on IUDs at some point because there's a lot of lies surrounding those as well. Um, but they, they, I was like, I don't understand. I feel like, like I, I'm eating less, but because I'm just sad and I feel terrible all the time. And I, I'm just kind of, I just kind of, feel bleh, but I, I continue to, like, gain weight, and they're like, that's not possible, and it <sighs> turns out that that's absolutely fucking possible. It was inflammation in my abdomen, and yeah. they were just like, nah, you're just lazy. Like, oh, my God. Like, that was pretty much what she said to me. She's like, no, that's not possible. You just need to, you know, work a little harder at it, and to this day, I'm just like, like, if I see her again, I'm, I might feel all that violence again. Oh my God. That makes me so angry. And, and I mean, I hear stuff like that all the time. Like, I think people think, you know, like fatness causes all of these health problems, totally failing to acknowledge that weight gain is often a symptom of underlying health conditions. Um, and also there are many reasons uh, like medical or otherwise, why someone might have a high body weight. Um, but I literally hear stories all the time. People send me stories saying like, I had cancer and for eight years they told me to diet when I had a tumor in my stomach the size of a basketball. Holy fuck. Like I hear stories like this all the time. People who have severe, serious or chronic medical conditions that doctors just don't care enough to do the diagnostic work to actually find out. They're like, oh, well, you know, you just need to lose weight. And so people have literally died from having these undiagnosed health issues that get passed off as fatness. That to me, that like plays right into eugenics. It's like, no, we're not going to help you. You just need to die and disappear. Yep, absolutely. If you don't have human rights. You just need to disappear because we don't want to deal with you. And this is exactly, oh my gosh, that is exactly how fat people are treated, right? Like there's this mentality of like, well, you're dead anyway, so why even try? That's eugenics. That's literally That's eugenics. eugenics. Yeah. Yeah. And, and which, by the way, is like not only a false belief, and we have data to that effect, um, the people who actually have the longest lifespan, according to the BMI, are people that are in the overweight or obese, sorry, 
overweight or mild obese categories. They have the longest lifespan of anyone in any BMI category. And we've had data to that effect for decades now, but people have this ingrained belief that like, well, you're fat, your fat's going to kill you. You're going to die anyway. So may as well die now. And doctors don't even try. They don't offer medical care. They, I mean, I like, I think about this all the time that if the day ever comes where like I'm in a car accident and I'm on the gurney and someone is standing over me holding my fate in their hands, like, are they going to basically say, well, this person's quality of life is shit anyway, because she's a fat person may as well let her die. That's terrifying. Yeah. That's uh, that is really akin to uh, like, you know, people who are afraid to call the police because they aren't white. Yeah. It's like you're afraid to seek the authority on the problem that you're having because, you know, in your heart and factually that they're really kind of against you. Yeah, absolutely. And this is and this is really the problem, right? Because people have um, these horrible experiences with doctors, horrible experiences, like worse than I've had. And I've had some really shitty ones. Um, And it is so traumatizing and unhelpful. And they usually don't even get the medical care they needed in the first place. And so they've basically learned that, A, I'm not going to get the medical care I need. And B, it's literally just trauma every time I go to the doctor that we now have it's we now have data showing that fat people are choosing not to go to the doctor, even when they do have health conditions, which is really unfortunate because it's literally our only source of (laughs) care when we have these conditions. It's our only source of, you know, it's our only option when you get cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, uh, I know several women who after, you know, playing around with birth control and like never getting the right thing for themselves, they're like, you know, like, fuck this. I'm, I'm going to do herbal stuff now oh, God, and hurt themselves. Yeah, because they, they end up with somebody who doesn't know what the fuck they're saying or doing. And then they end up hurting themselves or like seeking abortion and mm-hmm. your state doesn't have it. And then you end up going, you know, we have the same problems like you get pushed to the back alleys. And that's what always happens if you're in one of these groups. You're afraid to go to the doctor. So you get pushed to the back alley and you yeah. are most likely going to fucking die. Right. Because what Sorry. we actually I topped know... out the mic there. <laughs> that's OK. Because what we <laughs> actually know is that like the best predictor of health is access to medical care. Like, regardless of all the other crap, like personal behaviors, genetics, whatever, the number one best predictor of positive health outcomes is having access to competent and ethical health care. And when you don't have that, like, yeah, your cancer is going to be advanced by the time it gets discovered. You don't want to go to the fucking doctor because they don't help you anyway and they just propagate trauma. Yeah, yeah. I couldn't agree more with that. And like that was that was a large part of the story of the IUD episode that I'm going to do. Um, It's just like you avoid it until there's a problem because it's so fucking traumatizing. Mm -hmm. So um, I I want to uh, go over um, a few a few other things. And one of them that really pisses me off as an anthropologist are all of these diets that have to do with you being a caveman. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Let me tell you, cave people had fat. 
They had fat as a means to fucking survive. If you lived in the north, you were far more likely to have body fat because you ate mostly meat, and it was the only way that you were going to survive the fucking Arctic tundra. So we're going to talk about paleo diet and stuff like that. I, I can't roll my eyes hard enough. Yeah. And there will be, when I put up the, the links to, um, to our Tumblr page, which has all our citations and stuff on it, and it'll, be, it'll have the stuff that Hannah also provided for this uh, episode, um, I'll, I'll throw up the pictures. Even modern hunter-gatherer cultures who live in really hot climates, who hunt spiders for food, carry body fat. They carry it around their midsection because that's what humans do. It is it is a factor of survival. You don't you don't stay super thin and and athletic without constantly having food. You'll starve to death. So your body evolutionarily naturally is going to pack that on as a means of survival. Yes. And like if you're and it, it depends on what part of the world your genealogy comes from, but we're all humans, and very few of us are actually just naturally going to be thin, and it has more to do with with um, heat intake. So if mm-hmm. you came up in a super hot, dry region, it's going to make more sense for your, your body is to evolve to be long and thin so you don't carry that extra heat with you. But most of us, you know, are mutts, and we have it from all over. So you have these evolutionary evolutionary drives to your body to make you carry weight so you don't fucking starve to death. Because yep. let me tell you, we've starved to death in every century that has ever existed. People have starved to death. We've never gotten over that. So until we have, like, thousands of years of people just never starving to death, that's not going to change. Mm-hmm. And exactly what you're saying as well, by the way, is the reason why people regain the weight that they lose when they diet. It's literally... That was kind of my assumption. Yeah, absolutely. It is literally a feature of evolution because your body doesn't fucking know what paleo is. Your body doesn't know what a diet is. It doesn't care about the money that you're paying to Weight Watchers. Your body... It thinks you're starving. Exactly. Your body thinks you're starving. And so what actually happens is that your metabolism slows way down because it is trying to conserve energy and it starts packing Mm -hmm. the fat away, creates new fat cells, fills them up because it's like preparing for famine, right? Because it literally thinks you're experiencing famine. And so it's like, okay, we need reserves, We need to store up reserves because you are starving right now because that's literally the only way your body can interpret losing fat. It's the only way it can interpret that is that you don't have access to food and you are at risk of dying. And so I am going to keep you from dying. Yeah. It doesn't take into like your cultural assumptions of beauty. It doesn't have that for you. It has, it has only mechanisms to keep you functioning and alive and shit it doesn't care what you look like yeah which is which is exactly why 
like we we have so much data around this like it just like ugh, it, like hurts me that we have so much data about this and people think like that this is all a bunch of baloney um but literally like we have people always show- believe the wrong thing that's why i made this show <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah this podcast is a testament to that <laughs> i got so much material we could be at so we'll be, this this will be longer than cats longer than friends <laughs> god willing um, yeah, but like, <laughs> we, we literally have studies that show that regardless of whether or not you stop or continue your weight loss behaviors, like it's not a matter of, oh, you stopped, it's lack of willpower. There are long-term studies of people continuing their weight loss behaviors for eight years and doing that the entire time and still gaining weight. Uh, one of the other things I wanted to bring up um, as an anthropology student, trying to tell you how it is natural for you to be probably most sizes that you are. Um, this goes back to like our standards of beauty go back to the earliest cultures that we can that we can get to in the archaeological record. And I'm sure you have heard of the Venus statues and figurines. Um, and a lot of people for a long time because they were found by men, by European men that they were some kind of erotic figurine. Oh, kitties. <laughs> anyway, um, that there is some kind of erotic figurine, of course, like some idiot man decided that, like, who would make that? I- I'm sorry. Like, we all love art. We all have appreciation. But when you're talking about hunter-gatherer egalitarian societies, that doesn't make any sense. Right. So it wasn't till many years later that you know, women who were anthropologists and archaeologists looked at these things and and because one of them had been pregnant before, looked at the shape and the size of one of them and and determined that this was most likely a tool used to show women that they are pregnant. Mm. And that a lot of the other ones aren't quite that way. In fact, it's more likely that like several of them are fertility figurines and they are of of, of fat pregnant women. Uh, But the other ones are actually just of large ladies and having having not to do with like, you know, erotica or fetishism of ancient peoples. What it really has to do with is that you're looking at the idea of success. Like, this is what's going to get you through. This is what's going to keep you warm. This is what a successful like, uh, woman in our society looks like. This is probably, you, you know, a depiction of a goddess of some sort. And it has to do with their overall culture of, you know, what worked for us, what kept us alive. And as they found out, you if you're not constantly eating, if you're not constantly looking for food, like, death is coming for you. Right. And we didn't just rewrite that in the last couple thousand years. It, it's still the same. Like your, your bodies are still going to act like that. And this is this is a, a thing we know to be thousands upon thousands of years old. You can't just decide because the 90s happened that it's now not a thing. Like we're right. over it. Like like. Like, fat has been canceled. Like, sorry, that that is not how it works. <laughs> and there's also this really weird belief that I've heard people say that basically that um, fatness is like a modern invention. 
that it has like never truly like existed until now because people like didn't have access to like food as readily as we do now, which is just such garbage because literally what you're saying, it's so stupid. Body diversity has always existed. Um, We have depictions of ancient cultures that had larger bodies. Like you're just talking about, like we have sculptures and like paintings on cave walls and things that show people in larger bodies. Like body diversity has always existed. Yeah, it's not this weird modern epidemic that you think it is. Mm -mm. It's like we have always looked this way. Yep. And as uh, as you pointed out before, um, it's a scam. Yeah, it's a scam to sell things. It's a would you say seventy two billion dollar industry? Sure is. And because it doesn't work, that is complete recidivism. You will always make your money off of that. And their business model literally relies on repeat customers. Like I think I think most of us think about when we think about dieting or weight loss, we think like, oh, it's like a temporary intervention to like right the ship, quote, so to speak. Um Nope. When in reality, like we have, so like Weight Watchers, for example, has something called a lifetime membership. Like, if it worked, why would you need a lifetime exactly. fucking membership? Like, are you kidding me? You're telling me that I need to pay you $50 a month or whatever it is. I don't know what their fees are now, but that's probably what it was when I had Weight Watchers um, forever because, like, we now know and you are like, proving that it is unsustainable and so like you rely on these repeat customers or these quote lifetime customers because you know that this shit doesn't work and we've had data to that effect like we've known for years now that only a tiny fraction of people are able to experience significant weight loss over the course of their entire lifetime like that number is very small yeah, it has seemed to me in in my ongoing struggle that I just have a certain amount that I fluctuate and it yeah. is just natural and trying to control it has given me all of the the fucking trauma and sleepless nights and just wanting to cry and shit and it's just like you have to accept that your body is it has its own processes and you don't like if you're tr- you don't control your breathing in the same way. It just right. does it. Yeah, absolutely. So um, I uh, we're going to go over some of the crazy weight loss scams that Americans fell for. <laughs> and I'm sure I'll get hate mail for this for someone who bought it and is like, no, it worked for me. And then. Oh, always. There's always. Yeah, people. always. Yeah, um, I looked up a, um, let's see, it was a national fraud report. Um, and it basically outlined a bunch of the biggest, uh, money-making frauds and scams in the last year. And the two biggest ones were weight loss products and fraudulent computer repairs. Absolutely. That does not surprise me at all. Most of us got a call at some point in the last couple of years about how we owe money to the government and the police are coming. My mom <laughs> yes. got this call and I she cried call. so hard. Yeah. Yeah. So that it's like your the weight loss shit is the same kind of fucking scam. Oh, my God. It definitely and has the like, same you energy. Yeah. You're not mad at the people who fell for the fucking 
batshit. So don't be mad at yourself no, for, no, no. for any of this. And actually, that's a good point before we like fully dive into the scams is like, I always want to make it clear when I'm talking about this is that like, I am not shaming people who pursue weight loss. I did that for 15 years. Like this is so enticing. It's built into our culture. It is built into our systems as we've been talking about throughout this. Um, Like I'm not trying to shade anyone who is dieting currently has ever dieted in the past. Like this is literally what we're taught to do from day one as fat people. We are, or even thin people, like here's how it kind of manifests is like thin people are always terrified of becoming fat and fat people are always taught that they need to constantly manipulate their body size to become smaller. So like we all live under this, right? Like it has different yeah. ramifications, yeah. but we all live under this belief that this is the worst thing you can possibly be. Yeah, that is, that is absolutely true. And it's kind of disgusting. We live, we live in an era where, where like I feel like the worst thing that you could possibly be is like a Nazi. And now yep. that's pretty widely accepted. Yep, absolutely. So yeah, just um uh like perception there. Um <laughs> uh what's the word I'm looking for? Like when you step back and look at something. Perspective. Um, perspective, that's what I'm trying to say. Yeah. <laughs> there it There's is. Get some perspective here. Like if, like if you feel like oh, you're all around a good person but you're fat just keep living your fucking life because <laughs> you're probably just fine you're not a nazi at least i mean low I mean, bar low bar yeah live really Sorry. low bar though but like really I mean, low bar especially for this like it needs to be a low bar because people literally believe that being fat is the worst thing a person can be and i'm like dear god do you see who is in the white house right now <laughs> yeah like i really think being a violent racist is much worse being Far worse. a pedophile a rapist is much worse like mm-hmm. perspective here folks Okay, so let's let's start out. This is this is from BuzzFeed, and again, it'll be on the Tumblr if you want to look at it. So let's see, lobster-inspired slimming creams, <laughs> a magical powder you can sprinkle on food to help curb your appetite, a supplement a supplement that'll help you get oh god, uh, uh, I just saw that high school skinny. Uh, 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 like part of the whole deal with this which is that like we literally want people to be like thin with no stretch marks or cellulites and and also like completely hairless so basically you just want a child yeah yeah it was like a long time coming of just kind of grooming american women quite literally to to infantilize themselves like little girls and it's fucking gross absolutely it's like so sophia has told me many times this is just like if you're Mm. an adult woman your thighs fucking touch yep that's yeah correct unless you have unless you have a serious medical condition yes yeah it's just one of those things it's where your body puts that for later because you know if you starve or some shit survival that's that's literally what you should take out of thick thighs save lives. <laughs> oh, I like that. So number two is homeopathic drops made from HC- HCG, a hormone produced by the human placenta. Oh, my God. That's that's just I gross. can't. I just, I just can't. And like, I'm like looking at all of this and I'm just thinking back. I'm like, yeah, like 17 year old me would totally like call in at like two in the morning to buy that. 
Because oh it's God, hope, yeah. right? They're selling hope. They're selling a promise that you can finally be treated with dignity and respect like a real person, you know, like thin people. Yeah. Even though, like, I mean, since we're talking about high school girls, it just seems like the ones who are always regarded as the prettiest also tend to take that and run with it to a point where they're kind of terrible people mm. because they're given this platform of just like anything you do is fine because you're beautiful, you know, <laughs> and that's not fucking true. Oh, my God. This is something that I've been like thinking about a lot recently being in like being in social media, I have people all the time when I'll, I'll be posting videos about systemic oppression, right? Like talking about like oppression and activism and like, what's the solution? And people will comment on my videos and be like, but you're so beautiful. You're not fat. You're beautiful. And like, first of all, A, I can be fucking both. And B, that's actually not the point of this. Both. I feel like we, we have like so... <laughs> This is my issue with that body seems like it goes into too. the body positivity. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. You, read, you read ahead. You knew exactly where I was going with that. Because, like, we basically have, like, decided um, that we're not actually interested in fighting for fat people's rights. We just want them to feel pretty. And, like, it doesn't really matter if you continue to be oppressed so long as you think you're <laughs> attractive. And what garbage is that? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like... Um... You know, like uh, racism doesn't exist because NFL players are paid oh, millions yep. of dollars and we had a black president type shit. Like, I, I <laughs> Sorry, don't know, it's almost like parents? racial positivity. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Lord, I I only met them once b very briefly, but um, <laughs> probably about the same as my cousins. <laughs> Man. Number three is caffeine-infused underwear that promises to destroy fat cells. This one is my favorite on the list, by the way. But will it? But will it just make my ass awake? <laughs> I mean, who doesn't want a woke ass? My ass could use some more awakeness. Yeah, I want a woke <laughs> ass. Sure. Yeah, I mean, just literally. Oh my god. <laughs> And I, I think right. I, I think Almond. I said to you recently that I also saw an ad recently for weight loss leggings, and I was like, "You did fucking how? How is that? Is it just like really hot and sweaty, and you're just like sweating into your leggings all day?" I'm guessing that's what it is. In which case, you ruined leggings. Yeah, you uh, you took it to a dark place. No one asked for. Yep, you, you ruined it. You, you, you took pants that were amazing and you fucking ruined it. Yep. Here's some almond cream that promises to trim a 1.3 inches from your thighs in four weeks. <laughs> I bet. What? Because almonds Double have shot that. pills. <laughs> yeah, because almonds can do that. Yeah. Double shot pills in which blue capsules burn fat and red ones block calories. So clearly this then, came out around the same time as The Matrix. Yeah. Look at that in the doctor, man. He is That like, mustache says, do not trust me. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, the next one is fucking Dr. Oz. <gasps> which. Uh, yeah. yeah. Doctor ever. He literally is like, when I think of a charlatan, he is the image that pops up in my brain. Yeah, he's a flim-flam man. He is a flim-flam man. Capital he's T, right here in River City. A bamboozler. Yeah. 
Yeah, and he's on here. And what's funny is uh, they chose the picture uh, from if any of those videos used. They chose the picture where he had to testify to Congress that he was not lying. And yep. he was. He was. Uh, let's see. And ugh, another one called Thermal Energy Booster that promise, promises you get high school skinny. Ugh, I hate that so much. That's so gross. That's really fucking gross. Yeah, I just hate that. And this is literally like, but that is like literally the message, right? Like we literally get people being like, I want to be the same size I was when I was literally a child. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Funny, Hannah, when you put it that way, it doesn't seem reasonable. Doesn't seem realistic or helpful. (laughs) Kind of seems like you're creating an entire generation of pedophiles. Yeah. Yeah, this is a little bit. It's called neoteny. It is, uh, it's a, a thing that uh, we studied in my humans and animals class. It happens to dogs when we breed them. They get cuter. Like when you domesticate animals, they get cuter. And it's called neoteny. And mm-hmm. it really just makes it so humans won't murder them and like them more <laughs> ah! because they look like a baby. Oh and now God. I feel like we've, we've taken concept. that to a weird, dark, pedophilic place. Yeah. Okay, the next one is for a machine called the Ab Glider. And I mean, I mean if you're working out, I'm I'm sure that it'll give you abs or whatever, but this is extreme body modification. This isn't health. And I can tell you also from looking at bones in the anthropology lab, when you do shit like this, the wear on your bones is intense mm-hmm. on your joints and shit. Yep. Because like it's it's literally how we look at ancient skeletons and be like, "Oh, they had a terribly hard life." <laughs> that they did all of this work. And you can tell, you know, from like certain vertebra who like um, like who did extensive labor. Um, you can tell if they were an agricultural community from certain like arm bones and wear on that and stuff. Mm-hmm. So if you're constantly working out to that degree, that is that is still just not gonna be fucking good for you. It's not no. good for your bones. Your ancient ancestors don't lie to you. They're dead. <laughs> I would also just They're dead like for a reason. Out. They had hard lives. <laughs> they had very... So, oh my God. So that actually, like, that is literally something that's been so crazy in all of this as I've been doing this research is that, like, yes, while body size has been gradually increasing over the course of, like, 200 years, people are also living longer like, people have never had longer lifespans than they do right now. Anyway, just a thought. If we're also fatter than we've ever been before, and we're also living longer, that, I mean, that sounds like evolution. Yep. That we figured out how to live lives that are comfortable, and that actually will keep you, like, moving at a better, like, in a, in a better, more comfortable space for longer. That absolutely lines up to me. Oh, man. (laughs) Sometimes you just want to cry, you know? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Have you watched um, Unwell on Netflix? I haven't. It's about scams. It's it's sad, man. Honestly, the B one got me fucked up. I'm not (laughs) sure if it works or it doesn't. I'm going to have to look more into that. Like, I I can't tell. Because it's... Yeah, one of them was this fasting one where a guy literally died and it was um it was so like it was just the most grifty 
shady thing. You know, like this guy went in, he was already like a thin man and they put him on a ridiculous fast of like, I think it was like two weeks or a month or something like that. And he fucking died because of course. Yeah. Now there were bigger people who could stand to go without food that long, but they like, they were still fucked up from it too. There was only like one lady who was like, I think this was good for me. And she had diabetes and like, you know, maybe that should be studied or or whatever because, but also they definitely cut out all the bad parts for sure Mm -hmm. to not, you know, show what she was going through too hard, of course. But the guy who, who died, like it was just so obvious that he was taken advantage of and that it was just pure negligence on their part. Because when he said he wanted to leave, they just took him to a hotel and left him there and then he fucking died. They didn't call a hospital or his girlfriend or, like, anything. And it's just like, this sounds like a cult, first off. And then you did the cult thing where you didn't take people to the proper medical authorities when they needed help. So, like, it's, it's, like, weight loss things are getting a little culty. They're getting a little weird and culty, too. For a long time. But, I mean, especially with, like, the shift. So, uh, over the past decade, there has been a um, rebranding of dieting we now call it wellness we now call it oh yeah we now call it a lifestyle right which is literally just a sneaky marketing trick um it's still dieting it's uh, and it's often by the way still disordered eating again there's a very thin line between those two things and it is very blurry and there's a lot of overlap um and so like calling something a lifestyle change or calling something a wellness lifestyle doesn't make it different yeah, this is not like quitting smoking, which is probably yeah. really good for you. Maybe not now. It's kind of up in the air whether or not we'll live in the next 20 years. Maybe <laughs> smoke the cigarette. I don't know. I don't know about that. But but yeah, it's it's a, it seems like a s- weird scammy cult not unlike Nexium. Yep, absolutely. So we went through um, some weird weight loss scams, and I kind of wanted to ask you if you, aside from Weight Watchers, mm-hmm. if you had any ones that you particularly fell for and wanted to call out. Um, my one of my friends uh, growing up got addicted to stackers, and they don't make them with the same shit in them anymore because so mm-hmm. many like middle school girls died. Oh my god! And when I was in high school. Um, one of my classmates, um, oh, what's it called? The 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 green tea pills or whatever. Uh, yes. Um, she had she had taken those. Uh, uh, one of my classmates' sisters, who was like ar- already like a thin woman and stuff, started taking all these diet pills, and she died from them too. And yeah. she had taken like twelve of them. But the but then even after that, like. I would see people passing around these, these like the knockoff stackers and green tea supplements and shit at my high school, even after we all knew she died from that. Right. And I I just like that is, I'm not a counselor, you're a counselor, but that sounds like like a neurosis, like something that's just like completely in your mind. Yeah. That you could be like, oh, death is worth it. Yeah, absolutely. And that's literally, that's literally how people think. I'm not even kidding. I made, I made a video, I don't know, maybe like one or two weeks ago about the statistical rarity of lifelong weight loss. And I had people in my comments section saying that they were going to kill themselves 
if they could never be thin, if they could never stop being fat, right? Like if the abuse will never stop, if this feeling of otherness and of failure and of worthlessness could never stop, then death is better. Like this is literally the, the world that we have constructed. And when I talk about how people think that fat, being fat is the worst thing you can be, that is what I'm talking about. That is that is that line so you were you were talking about how this is this is systemic oppression yep and that absolutely lines up with like young black teenagers wanting mm. to kill themselves because they feel like the world isn't getting better it's getting or like, worse or, or, gay trans kids, kids, or trans kids or gay kids yes. yeah absolutely the and suicide like, rates are what? so much higher because they're treated like shit and they literally just yeah. want the pain to stop and 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 their is- families are mm-hmm. shitty to them while they grow up Yep, absolutely. And it just like com- the input there is all like you were saying, grow and like my, how kind of how my grandma was. Like mm-hmm. when you grow up with someone who inputs that to you all the time that you're worthless unless you're doing these things, that'll fuck you up. Absolutely. Oh my god. The the only significant praise I ever got from my immediate and my extended family um, was related to weight loss. And the most loved, the most celebrated I have ever been was when I was in the deepest, darkest part of my eating disorder, where I like fucking hated myself. I was miserable all the time. My mental health was in shambles. My physical health was in shambles. And yet people constantly praised me on how healthy I was because they saw that I was skinny. Yeah. I got that too. The darkest time in my life, uh, weighed like 118 pounds and, you know, like my friends were like so happy for me or whatever, but it was just, it was just more of a, more of a barb than anything. Mm-hmm. It was like, you're supposed to be my friends and you can't even like really accept me as yeah. who I am. And so I have this ridiculous eating disorder now and yeah, turns out those aren't your friends. Yeah, absolutely. Those are not my friends. Absolutely. But yeah, it's just like you're in the darkest place and they're like, mm -hmm. oh, but you're pretty. Uh, It's just like, I want to kill myself. That doesn't actually make me feel better. And it's, it's so interesting, too, because I don't think it's even just about attractiveness, right? Like, it's never just been about, like, physical attraction. Like, people have these core beliefs about what body white sorry, about what body weight says about people, right? Like thin people are hardworking, smart, educated, wealthy, blah, blah, blah. And fat people are um, lazy, uneducated, unmotivated, sloppy, unintelligent. And oftentimes there are other types of oppression tied into this because people who are poor or people of color are more likely to be in a hot, in a larger body. And so it's all tied in here, right? It's all tied in with the prejudices. Yeah. Makes absolute sense. It's uh, another societal control, another stratification. And we're just in there. And then, you know, we live in this capitalist nation. So, like, if it can be driven by money, it'll just keep on going indefinitely forever. And we'll yeah, yeah, we'll we'll just change the terminology, like you said, rather than actually fix any goddamn thing. 
And this is this is also why this has been so successful in the medical world. And when I say successful, I'm not talking about actual effective healthcare, to be clear. I'm talking about how this has been able to infiltrate medical care. There are now doctors who have weight loss programs. There are hospitals that have weight loss programs. And so, oh, lo and behold, you're too fat to get surgery, basically meaning we have a policy where there's a BMI limit where we are going to choose to deny you surgery. Um, wouldn't you know it? Because we, you because they think you might die, and right. then that fucks up their stats as surgeons yeah. and shit. Well, which, by the way, there's actually very little data to support that. There are some extremely minor... Oh, like, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The statistics <laughs> on that alone have been way overblown. Um, but literally, they're like, okay, so we're going to deny you this medically necessary health care, but wouldn't you know it, we have a weight loss program in-house that is super expensive, takes a really long time, and you have to pay out of pocket for it. And they literally funnel people to that shit. Yeah, that's a scam. Yeah, that's literally what they did to me last year when I needed spinal surgery. They first denied me because apparently my BMI was too high, um, told me I needed to lose weight. I told them I have a history of disordered eating and weight loss behaviors are extremely harmful for me. Um, that's not yeah. an option to which they basically said, um, okay, but could you lose a little bit of weight? <laughs> which is basically their way of saying like, fuck you. I don't care about your eating disorder. I don't care about doing harm, lose weight. I don't care about your emotional turmoil. No, or your physical health for that matter. Yeah. Eating disorders affect both. Um, and then they were like, we actually have an in-house nutrition and weight loss program, um, and we're going to make you a referral for them. And so they literally referred me to this program, and I'm not even kidding, the second that somebody called me and was like, yeah, so I got a referral. For I was like, nope, no, absolutely no. not. Nope, you can connect me back to the doctor because I'll be fighting him on this the entire time, which I did. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Yeah, that's a scam. They took advantage of you, and that is a scam. And there are many, many, obvious, many, at very least. many people who fall for it. Like, it's just such nonsense. It's oh, like, I'm sure. Yeah, so we're going to deny you this thing that we've already de deemed as medically necessary. Um, and the solution is that you give us money for this weight loss program. And so then... Uh, that just That's like... Weight loss evangelism. Yes, like it is. Oh, so let's like that. That uh, what do you call it? Prosperity evangelism. Mm -hmm. that, it's it's like, prosperity get, if you spend this money, I will guarantee you that the Lord will bless you with a tiny waist. Yeah, and if you if you do lose the amount of weight that they are asking for, because diets always diets almost always work in the short term, right? This is what the studies show. In the short term, people lose weight like crazy. That happens all the time. What's unsustainable is the long term. Once you pass five years, it's like that drops down to zero and people gain back all the weight they lost. And two thirds of those people gain back more weight than they lost to begin with. Um, and so like, basically they're saying, we're not going to give you surgery now, even though we know it's necessary, but once you've given us all of your money and you're weak and your immune system is suppressed and you're malnourished, then we'll wheel you in for surgery. Yeah. That sounds like you're at the peak health for surgery. At Absolutely. That yeah. I, I did, um, I did low carb a long time ago and I did it for several years and then I, um, 
I was giving plasma because that's what poor people do. Yep. You don't even know about the blood money, okay? But I went to give plasma and the fat in my fucking bloodstream literally clogged the machine. Now, I was like wow. the thinnest I have ever been. Yeah. But that's not good for your body. That's not good for your heart. That mm-hmm. like nothing about that was good. And it was when, and that's when I was like, ooh, I'm not doing this anymore. Yep. And I mean, stuff like that, it's so, there are so many health ramifications from caloric restriction or restricting food types. Um, There is, there's just so many. And like what we found, so this was back when I was working at an eating disorder treatment center, we found that the people who had, so there's, there's something called orthorexia, which is basically the fixation on the health quality of your food. It's like a mental obsession with only eating foods that you perceive as being healthy. Right. And so we had people who literally like, they wouldn't eat carbs. They wouldn't eat fat. They wouldn't eat dairy. They wouldn't eat sugar, like whatever. And we found that those Just people raw carrots all the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, whatever their like quote fear foods were, whatever those were, they weren't going to eat them. And what we found is that cutting out entire food groups, those those patients literally had the same negative health consequences as the people who were anorexic, because it's the same thing in that your body is needing something that it is not getting. And so your body just like panics (laughs) and then eventually if you do it long enough, start shutting down, which is the ultimate effect of eating disorders. Wow. Damn. So Hannah, I really want to thank you for being on my show and being open about this and, and I, and, and just doing what you're doing because it takes a lot to like a lot of emotional energy to deal with how shitty people can be. And mm. like you said, you're you're sitting on the last rung here of acceptable shittiness that people are, are allowed to do. Um, but to bring the basic points of the show together, we just kind of want to summarize this at the end. Hannah, take it away. Yeah. Um, so the things that I want to say, basically, the first one is that Studies across the board show that lifelong weight loss is only possible for a tiny fraction of people. Um, And then the second thing is that even if you disagree with that, right, like even if you're a person who's like, oh, that's bullshit and I hate science, like that still doesn't justify the oppression that fat people face all the time just for existing. Yeah. And if fat people existing is a problem for you, that's on you. Something is deeply wrong and you should probably seek counseling or therapy yep. about that. Because a person being who they are and just existing in the world shouldn't have that kind of effect on you. Mm-hmm. And if you're fat and struggling with it, uh, remember that you're a fucking human being who deserves to be loved and live your life as free as anybody else. And anyone who's being mean to you is a sad asshole. And you, if you need to forgive them for their own patheticness for you, that's great. Otherwise, give them the middle finger, a hard middle yep. finger. And if you're on social, block them. Don't be afraid to block. Your Hannah talks bodies on all the things? <laughs> um, two of the things. <laughs> um, yeah, so I am Hannah talks bodies with underscores instead of spaces on Instagram and on TikTok. And then I also have a website, which is hannahfullendorf.com. Um, I'm sure my last name will be written somewhere in the show notes. So look there because my last name is impossible to spell. 
I've asked so many times and I still have to look. I'm the worst at spelling, though. My linguistics teacher told me it doesn't matter, and now that's gotten worse. <laughs> spelling is another lie. <laughs> <laughs> and and you can find all of our citations, um, Hannah's and mine, on the Tumblr page at Everyday Lies Pod, Everyday Everyday Lies Podcast. Um, you can email us, but don't hate mail us at everydayliespod at gmail. And um, we're on Instagram, Everyday Lies, or Everyday Lies Pod. I know my handles, maybe. Yeah, you got it. Sure. You got it. You'll find us. Look for, look for the Snailian. He's our logo. <laughs> he's, our, he's our ambassador. You can find us on Facebook, too, if you choose to get on there. I would never recommend that anyone do anymore but if you do that we're on there too and thanks for tuning in